0: Gaming NBS Episode two oh nine coming to you Wednesday September nineteenth twenty eighteen. Welcome to Gaming NBS. Happy birthday, Brett. Birthday. It's the birthday of gaming NBS.
1: Oh my God, you're right!
0: It is, isn't it? Holy crap! It is. What is it? Four? We're four years old?
1: Something like that. Whatever. Two hundred and what is this? Two hundred nine. Which would be four, right? Fifty-two wow. weeks ish.
0: Damn. Yeah, it was this past
1: past weekend. I think. Would have yeah, been I yesterday so. or
0: day before. I think.
1: Yeah, because uh, game game hole two was just happening, and I was going to game hole two. We started just before that. Remember, I bumped into a guy named Aaron who was there and listened to us. And then I saw somebody else there who listened to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Four years. Wow. You
0: yeah. haven't kicked, and you
1: haven't kicked me off yet. I'm doing pretty good. That that makes me happy. Yeah.
0: And Brett hasn't shot me.
1: No, no, no. nothing. No, nowhere lethal. It's all good.
0: That's that's true. Hey, I could take a bullet. <laughs> I took a I took a yes SUV. Yeah, that's true. You did clean clean shot through the shoulder. Might not even be that painful. <laughs> exactly. You think that's bad? That's
1: <laughs> hey. Just, Unless, need it, just need it. Just needed to exit. That's all. Exactly. Unless it hits as hard as an SUV at about thirty five miles an hour, Sean doesn't care. That's right. Walk it off.
0: It's smaller. Small. <clears throat> it's it's a
1: a lot smaller. Yes, it's true. Yes. Yeah. I'm not encouraging
0: people to get shot over (laughs) or to get or
1: to get or to get get, get hit by SUVs because that all sucks. Yes. Yes. All right, man. So did you. Oh, I I was talking to Sean about this before on on the thing here before getting to announcements, because obviously we're going to talk about cons. Um, I bumped into Jason Cordova at uh, QCC. Jason Cordova. For those not in the know, that would be the gauntlet, the gauntlet.
0: The Gauntlet. He's got to get a voiceover for that thing called The Gauntlet. <laughs> like, Jason, if you're listening to this, call me.
1: <laughs> you're listening to <clears throat> The Gauntlet. Well, he was super, super friendly. Very, very nice. Very, very nice person. So that was really cool to meet him. I just thought about it. And I didn't want to make sure I said that.
0: We have, uh, we have a certain, um, w- I've conversed with Jason a little bit online, um, not a ton, but we shared some of our, uh, personal, uh, preferences for, um, drag queens, uh, on Google plus. Okay. Yep. We, uh, we watch, uh, RuPaul
2: drag race.
0: And so, uh, we talk like, Hey, who do you like for this season? I'm like, "Eh." you serious? Yeah. That's awesome. My wife, my wife is a huge drag queen fan. Like my daughter
1: loves um, drag queens. My uh, my middle daughter got my wife and my youngest daughter hooked on that show, oh. and I'd be doing something, I'd be walking through the living room, and next thing I'm, I'm sucked into it, going, "Oh my god, that's that's amazing! Oh my god, the makeup! You know, you're, you're sucked into this. That's kind of crazy."
0: Uh, so yes, I am. And I, you know, when my wife watches it, we watch. She she DVRs it, then we watch it, and then of course, at, over time, as time goes by, she'll buy, she'll want to buy a season. Like show you know, well, where can we get another? Where can we reach? R- watch the reruns. So, oh, okay. Amazon, buy season one, season two, rewatch re- all of them. <clears throat> so uh, yes, so Jason and I have <laughs> <laughs> we're like, hey man, who are you picking for this season? He's like, oh, I can't remember half the names. That's awesome. Usually. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. all
1: right, <laughs> good time. See, so we share a little moment. I think. I think so. Well, yeah. back. To, oh, let's go back to gaming now. Right. So, um, Game Hole Con, let's see. We want to plug um, Mr. Edwin Nagy, his uh, Gatsby and the Great Race. It's an amazing multi room Call of Cthulhu game. It still has a few spots left. If you're looking for a unique mystery horror gaming experience, check this out. Saturday, Game Hole from 2 to 8 p.m. And then, of course, once you're done with that and your gaming juices are spent, you're like, oh my God, I need to rehydrate or re inebriate. Well, the two we have the Gaming and BS um, social at the Clarion Lobby that Saturday evening. So once you're done having fun with Edwin and uh, Gatsby and the Great Race, come hang out with us. Uh, <laughs> you know, Somebody just posted up – good God, I'm coughing. Excuse me. Uh, someone posted up, and I cannot recall who they were, and Sean, maybe you can help me here, that they had submitted another event for Game Hole under our banner. So there's more stuff popping up periodically. Um, <clears throat> so, so if t- you have bought stuff or you're looking for games, check it out regularly. There's plenty of shit coming. Sean? Yes. You don't remember who it was either? No. I can't. I can't remember I was going to look it up before we did this, and I completely neglected it. Now I'm an idiot. It wasn't It wasn't Corey. Oh, man. They're probably going. It was me, you assholes. Probably, um, yes. And we lost another listener. We tweeted it. Um, hold on a second. So while you're looking that up, I'm going to talk about Evercon for a minute. <clears throat> so pre-registration badges for Evercon 2019 are open. So the way we do Evercon is one of the things that we had there, <clears throat> it was a big deal to have walk-ups. That's been a staple for that convention for, well, ever since Hector was a pup or uh, the Red Box was out type of thing. So we want to make sure that's available, but we wanted people to be incentivized to pre-register. So like, okay, first thing to pre-register for your badge, slightly cheaper online than it is at the door. Hey, game old does that. We'll do that. That makes sense. You know what, though? You pre-register for Evercon. That's the only way to get a ticket. Tickets cost nothing. If There are, uh, there are certain special events, like if we have a, um, a big tournament or something with a, with a big payout or prizes or something, there might be a nominal fee there. However, in most cases, 90 plus percent of our events are free. So when you show up and if you have pre-registered and you have said, hey, I want these 10 events, you get a ticket. We print it out. We go, hey, hey, man, here's your ticket. You walk up to that table and you see Sean sitting there at a full table. You say, Sean, did you have a ticket for this game? He goes, no, I just am a walk up. You flash your ticket at Sean. You go, get out of my fucking seat. And Sean has to get up and leave. Now, if with somebody else other than Sean. You'd be a little politer. But anyway, the point is, that's how you gain. Uh, you pre-register. You can get um, tickets for events. Again, tickets are free. And then when you show up, you can say, hey, I pre-registered. Not only did I get this badge I'm wearing for cheaper, but I have a seat at this table. Bang. That's how you do it. So anyway, it's out there. Evercon.org. More goodies. Oh, and also get your events in. We'd love to have more and more events. More and more. More and more events. In the ver- world, with all events posted at Evercon at Evercon. So the gauntlet. No, that's not. That won't be the there. gauntlet. So, um, throwing s- down the gauntlet at Evercon. Side piece is I might be able to. <laughs> I might be able to get Mister Arcadian to show up to Evercon because Ooh. he has family that are from the Was area. I completely forgot about it. Ted. TED talk professional, John Exactly. Yes. So I'm hoping I can get him there and to show up with a big box full of Taraski goodness to crush some gamers. So I'm trying to work a deal with Mr. Arcadian. We'll see what we can do.
0: Shove it up. Shove it right up his Taras. <laughs> uh,
1: did you find out who the gamer was who posted that game?
0: Eric B. Gator. Eric the we Gator. All he, right. He is running uh, two shots of uh, Hydro
1: Hackers. From that's Phil- what it was. Damn it. Okay. From Mr. Phil Vecchio and Mr. Director Mark and Encoded Designs Fame. That's right. Awesome. Amongst other
0: publications.
1: Oh, fuck yeah. He's, he's oh, running
0: yeah. one slot of Numenera by the Cookie Monster. Of course. Yes. Yes. Who, who will be there? And then he's also running one slot of Iron Edda Accelerated, which is by the other Tracy, who is Tracy. Uh, I don't
1: know Tracy's full name. I always forget, I always forget Tracy's last name, but I know, and I I met Tracy at QCC. Super nice person as well. Super nice person. Yeah. So, I Yeah, me people, Sean's back here giving pills to his dog. Yes.
0: So, Tracy (laughs) did that, and Tracy, uh, shoot, I'm trying to look for Tracy's name. Wow, we are really, really not with it at all. That's okay. Iron Edda was just kickstarted and um, successfully, I believe. Yes, it was. And worked and partnered with Encoded Designs. Correct. Yes. So those guys and put out such good stuff.
1: They're getting their shit together. It's working. It's rolling. Yeah. So shall we random encounter it up? I think we've belabored this point long enough. Yeah,
0: random encounter. Oh. What? We have a voicemail. We do? Oh, my God. We do have a voice fa- voicemail from DMK. Let me cue that up quick. Here we go.
2: Hey, guys. It's DM Kojo. Hey, just wanted to call in. I appreciate all the discussion you guys have been having and feedback from other listeners about my questions about low-power gaming and 3D6 down the line and uh, characters with uh, low stats and that kind of thing. I've enjoyed listening to all of that. Um, Ultimately, obviously, different people have different types of enjoyment with what they're doing. Personally, I love the challenge of 3D6 down the line and playing uh, a character that has some lower stats and having to work around that. Uh, That's not everybody's cup of tea. I get that. Um, So basically... Uh, I think it boils down to, I am not a player concept kind of player. Uh, when I play, I don't ever come with a character concept that I want to create. I don't like building a character. I don't like point by, I just prefer to give me whatever you give me and I will work with it, and roll with it. I'm happy just playing. So that's me. I realize that, uh, that is not a lot of gamers, especially I think modern gamers, but, uh, that was just my thoughts on it. Again, I appreciate uh, all the discussion on the topics that I called in about. That was awesome. Thanks. Bye.
0: So I didn't realize it was DM Kojo that left the voicemail because I didn't read
1: or listen to it ahead of time. No, so. well, that was cool. You know, <laughs> there's some there's some cool parts. Of I mean... The fact that that's how Kojo likes to play and game and run things, that's cool, right? And he's obviously wise enough to say, hey, you know, some of y'all don't like it this way I do. I don't hey, I don't know. I don't know, man. You don't know? What? What do you, what uh, Kojo, don't you know?
0: DM Kojo, I don't I mean, I don't know, man. You don't buy it? I think I think he's, he's just not. I think he's doing it wrong.
2: You're playing <laughs> you're you're playing wrong.
1: Uh, you're a dick, Sean. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'll either. tell you what though, if you if you heard that and said, huh. That sounds, yeah, maybe I should try that. You know what a really good way to try that is, Sean? Go to a gaming convention. Sit down and play a game because guess what? They're going to hand you a character, a pregen, and you're going to have to play it and make something of it. You know, I mean, that that that's kind of part and parcel to it. But I do think there is, if nothing else, from a palate cleanser perspective or doing something a little bit different, taking uh, what uh, Kojo was talking about and saying, hey, let's give this a shot. Let's, let's try this, you know. And you may play it and say, eh. That's exactly what I thought it was. Not fun for me. Okay, good on you. You didn't like it. That's fine. But you might play and say, "Yeah, I had a good time with that." Well, maybe not all the time, but maybe I would like it. You I know, would. Be- it's it's like PBTA games, you know. I played I played them once. Yeah, it was okay. I need to play them again. See if it's see if it's a lot I want. I would be interested.
0: So I haven't played with DM Kojo, and I guess that should be on my list to do at the next Gary Con if he's going to be there. Um, and. Hmm. Because the non-concept piece of it is, to me, unique. Because I, I don't, I have. Well, I don't know. If you get it a pre-gen, okay, fine. It's a pre-gen. It's a one-shot. Not a big deal. But I think if I'm going to play a character long-term, so I guess the question I have for him is: Is every character that, I, that he plays the same,
1: or does it develop during play? Like, oh, or does turns it develop out,
0: during play? Turns
1: yeah. out, this lady I'm playing, she's uh. She's tough. She's a take no nonsense kind of person. And then the next person you're playing is, oh, this dude who's kind of scared of his own shadow or whatever variation of between that. Right. Something that could develop and play. Touche. So, again,
0: something we're not sure of. Yeah, no, it's that's good stuff, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, and before we go further, it's Tracy Barnett. Tracy Barnett was a de, was the Trace. designer for Iron Etta. Tracy Barnett. I knew it was a Tracy B name, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let this go. So I looked it up. Yeah, we, we should go. probably link in the show notes in the die roll for Iron Edda. Oh, yeah. Give
0: Tracy some love. That's good stuff. All right, DM Kojo. That sounds good.
1: That does. Thanks, man. I appreciate you writing in.
0: Yeah. But I will Yo, tell calling, you-
1: Calling in, writing in. Good guy. where's my head? In. Calling Calling
0: yeah. in. He actually recorded his voice. You ready, man? You read the next one. All right. Edwin Nagy comments on episode 208. I think prior to talking to the player about why he or she wants to play a spellcaster in a low magic world, I would ask myself why I don't want spellcasting PCs in my D and D game. Make an honest ego check, then work through the suggestions you gave. Talk to the player, say no, whatever. Cheers, Edwin.
1: Hmm. Well,
0: so so I think I'm, you know, I'm going to go on a limb and say, you know, I think Edwin's doing it wrong. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm trying to be consistent. The, the year tonight. that Kelly
1: is almost over, <laughs> and he's spending all of his points right now. Okay, I'm just kidding. Hey. <laughs> just kidding. So I think I've met Edwin before, and we've talked with Edwin before. You know, and I think that the honest ego check is is a is an interesting component. And it's not like, hey, you're being an e- egotistical jerk by wanting this, but is, are you doing it because it is setting specific and are you doing it for essentially the right reasons or are you doing it simply because you're trying to control something or it's more fun for you or blah, blah, blah. So I think the, um, the idea of being honest as to why you don't want them in that, in that game, what's the reason you don't want it there. And, um, take a serious look at it and say, I don't want it there because it messes up the the mood or the genre. That's a very, potentially flippant thing to say is say, how does it do that? Dig deeper into that question. I think that's what Edwin's encouraging us to do. Well, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in my setting. Why? I just don't it's a bad answer. Right. I just don't
0: like anybody that plays them. (laughs) Yeah. People who play
1: spellcasters make me mad. So please
0: don't let me hate you. Don't allow me to hate you by playing a spellcaster. I see. I got to
1: change my attitude. It seems very negative. You do. How about, how about you sit back? Let me read this next one. Hmm. So we got some comments on the um, episode 208 on uh, G+. Well, we're going to start with Jared Rasher. So Jared wrote in, <coughs> good Lord, allergies are kicking my ass. Regarding the no spellcaster situation, says Jared, I've been interested in trying this since I first read about it in midnight setting that Sean has brought up a few times. Allow spellcasters, but to show their rarity, only half your levels can be in spellcasting casti- class. Yeah, Fifth edition, I'm saying because I can't apparently speak tonight. 5th um, edition makes this a little trickier because at 3rd level, depending on the subclass you pick, your rogues and fighters can become spellcasting classes. <laughs> so you want to have a definition on hand for what you considered spellcasting or not. For example, would you consider the first two levels of rogue or fighter non-spellcasting, even if they took the spellcasting subclass, subclass at 3rd? Does a monk that can emulate spells by spending ki count as a spellcaster? Also, even if you aren't going to play in Middle-earth, If you want more non-spellcasting classes, I would highly recommend looking at Adventures in Middle-Earth game, since most of the classes in that game only get kind of supernatural abilities rather than full-on spell effects. As far as the summarizing in an adventure, I've used it specifically one major time when ending an Edge of the Empire campaign. I was running two groups working for the same totally legitimate um, herglic shipping magnet, Honest Sid Yibon. Um... Edge of the Empire has an optional rule where you can extrapolate out a longer scene with a one-roll resolution check. Huh. Sean never let us do that. He always made us roll everything. That guy's a dick. Anyway. Whatever. (laughs) The PCs were in the final hour of the session when they finally confronted the assembler information broker that was going to try to ruin their boss. This was already scheduled as the final session. I was starting a new game. I had also run 10 sessions for the other group, and I didn't want to go over for the other group. I had everyone narrate how they took down this giant spider creature that was in control control of the whole space station and how they got back to the ship. If their role was successful, they survived the encounter. If they failed, ultimately the group won, but they suffered some losses. Each player rolled and narrated the results. Everyone was successful in their roles, but we had a few despairs come up. So the assembler in its final multitasking rage ratted out sid to the Imperials. So when the group jumped back to uh, Polis Massa. They realized they had to relocate as they saw the asteroids swarming with imps. I think it worked okay. It was definitely not the worst ending to a campaign, but it did have at least one player that said that they wished they had a few, uh, at least a few rounds of combat with the assembler, given that it was a boss creature. But they understood that this was a wrap-up of the campaign and that physically defeating the assembler was kind of an afterthought once they determined where the information leak was coming from and who the mysterious rival was. I probably wouldn't do it that way again. But that was a major campaign-ending event. I think you can summarize events of an adventure if you are running short on time. But if you want them to have impact, you need to have ways for the PCs to still engage the adventure instead of just having the DM um, narrate what you're skipping past. Coming up with some kind of stakes and having the PCs roll a group check is one way of doing this. Letting the PCs narrate how they would resolve the situation that you present without rolling is another. But I think the kicker is that you need to have some kind of consequence for the scenes you are abbreviating, other than hit points or spell slots, which are only the r- real stakes when you multiple rounds and rounds of fighting in an in, in adventure.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that Edge of the Empire had the one rule resolution check for that type of thing for a longer scene. That is interesting. Yeah, I might have glossed over that part. That's okay. And I think... You know, honestly, now that I've read that, and he says it through those words, I wonder if other game masters I've run with have done that type of thing in the past. I'm vaguely recalling somebody else saying, all right, so instead of making 52 stealth checks, let's do a large group action to see how we get through something. But that was always kind of in the beginning, never a summation of the end of the campaign. Interesting, interesting way to go. All right, Sean, over to you, sir. Thank you, Jared, by the way. That was really cool. Yeah, Jared.
0: Continuing, with Matt Martinez... One of my favorite implementations of rules that encourage low magic is Crips and Things. It uses a variation of Akratic Wizardry's house rules for sword and sorcery. It breaks spells into different colors. White, gray, green probably? great, and black? White, green, and black? Gray,
1: I'm pretty sure.
0: Gray and black. And each type has a different cost of sorts. White magic tends to be less powerful and more along the lines of cleric spells, but they draw the attention of trans-dimensional creatures that feed on magic, i.e. saving throw to remain undetected. Gray magic spells are the safest for the magic user to cast, but are very much utility spells. Repair, make small item, levitate. Excuse me. Black magic spells are, as one might assume... More of an evil nature, cause wounds, hex, monster summoning, etc. They also give the caster corruption points and must roll a saving throw to determine whether or not they gain a corruption effect. I've linked to Acratic Wizardry's original blog post, which is, a different, which is a bit different. For example, in his rules, spellcasting results in a loss of HP equal to the spell's level for white magic and twice the level of gray and black magic spells.
1: Huh. I have heard a couple different good things about Crips and things. I should probably take a look at that. You know, actually, I wonder if I have a copy of that. My son has it. I gave AJ a copy of a game system while back. I'll have to look that up. That's it. I'm looking it up. All right. Cool. What do you think about that, Sean? Um,
0: yeah, it's... Interesting. It reminds me of domains, kind of, or or schools of magic, I should say. Right?
1: Yeah, it does.
0: You belong to a particular school of magic. The school of magic. I think power is relative because you know evocation, 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 evocation. I can't go an episode without digging up some type of vocabulary, ladies and gentlemen. So evocation versus divination, right? Yeah. Different. Like you want to plow mountains down, different than reading somebody's mind. Powerful, probably, depending on the context, but something similar. Uh, it is an interesting take.
1: Yeah, I kind of like it.
0: It's it's a sounds very amberish to me for some reason. Amberish, I don't know. Of, is it because of the colors thing? And-
1: no, I mean amber doesn't really have color magic. I mean no. it has um, law and chaos, basically pattern versus Logos and so on. Interesting though, interesting. Right. Okay, cool. Um, do, 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 do. I will take the next one. Michael Phillips wrote in: "It would be much better to wreck the flavor of your setting than to punish your players for wanting to have fun in the game." Huh. Yeah. That's a, you know, that is, that's a legit point. (laughs) I think, I think that might've been what Edwin was getting at before too, you know, (coughs) excuse me, damn it. Um, you know, kind of with the ego check type of thing, like, look, are you doing it? Does it punish players? Does it take away something that's fun? Are there other things you could do? Um, or, and kind of as Sean, I alluded to, are there other ways to go about doing it where it's not, The answer isn't a flat no. It's like a yes, but, or yes, yes, however type of thing. Interesting, interesting. Cool. Yes, and
0: Michael is correct, unless, of course, you're the game master and you want it run in a particular way.
1: Because then you're always right. you
0: don't care about (laughs) the players
1: you're playing with. (laughs) Because you're always right then. Right. So in that case, you
0: know, so I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're sitting on.
1: Yes. The right or the wrong side. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Shall we main topic it?
0: Main topic. Thanks to everybody. All right. Are we ready? The gauntlet.
1: (laughs) So I talked about this a little bit last time. I want to go into a little bit more detail here. Let's see how far we get. But smash cuts, spotlight moving, scene flipping, there's a lot of different terms I've heard for it. I've heard Smash Cuts most recently, so that's why it's stuck in my head. It's a GM tool and sometimes even a player tool, perhaps. And I think it comes in very handy, and I believe I use it quite often in certain types of games or scenarios or uh, events that occur. So I want to kind of talk it over. So, Sean, when I say Smash Cut, uh, flipping scenes, that type of thing, do you know what I'm talking about? Hey, man. You're a Rocks
0: All-Star. Nice. Get game on. Go play. <laughs> Hey, man. No, no.
1: You're a rock star. So you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's oh, good. Oh,
0: smash cut.
1: Yes. Not smash mouth. Yeah, you're going to get a smash mouth next time oh. I see you with this shit.
0: All that glitters is cool.
1: <sighs> so you don't know what I'm talking about.
0: I haven't sung on the show for a long time, Brett. I I know. it's Just because it's been a year doesn't mean you have that privilege back. just feel like cutting loose, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right. Yes. No, I have not. Um, I haven't done smash
1: cuts, spotlight moves. You don't do that? Well, I do. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let me let me say what I think it is. So my definition of it. Let's define it. Yeah, let's try. Let's see what we can do. We normally fail at this, but we'll try. <clears throat> so you're in a scene. There's four players. Um, You look at Sean and say, Sean, what do you do? He says, well, um, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Okay. You start to narrate through it, then say, okay, hang on. Mary, what are you doing? Oh, uh, my turn. Uh, I do this, this, and this. Good. Phil, what do you got? Uh, Okay, good. Ange, what do you got? And you you pop around the table and you smash cut. You go from one scene to another, moving the spotlight from player to player, event to event. Sometimes it's a group of players. We have Sean and Phil and, you know, and Tracy are all doing the same thing. And you go to those three, you work on it for a while, and then you cut back, you know, where Phil and Chris are doing their thing. And you're like, all right, cool. You're good. All right, good. Stop and move over. Um, have you done that? Yeah. So when you do it, what do you, what are you doing it for you? Um, when you do it, I guess what benefit do you see in it is where I'm, where I'm getting at. I love to keep my players sitting on the edge of their seats. (laughs) It is true. When you, when you smash cut away, there is the leave them hanging. The tension is there. What? Yeah. What? What do you mean? I'm not, I'm just about to attack. Huh, it's my <laughs> turn. Yeah, it's yeah. my turn. Nope, it'll, hang on a second. It. It'll be your turn. So Just hold on, Junior. In a straight initiative scenario, just to be clear with people, people, if you are running a, hey, it's your turn, your turn, and it goes in a very specific initiative order, it's a little more difficult to do. If you're more free-forming it, either narratively working your way through initiative or what have you, it will work a little bit better. Like if it's a social scene or you or if the party's split up, which is another way, they pull a complete Scooby-Doo on you and, you know, Shaggy and Scooby go that way, Fred, Wilma, and Velma go the other way, or, you know, whatever. They head off and you've got to figure out how to move from one to another. One group gets in combat, the other group gets in a different combat, and you smash back and forth cutting between the two. Um, I love doing it to keep people on their toes. I also do it to so the tension component. The other reason I like to do it is... Is from a spotlight perspective, is that sometimes you'll have somebody? I did this at the QCC. I had in my Avalon game, <laughs> Tom Flanagan, his brother Mike, and Tom's two sons were playing, Um, John and oh, I can't remember his other son's name. Anyway,
0: you should not say the other one son's name and not, and not the, the other because now I know. it's unfair and it's just going to create a mess uh, in the family homestead. So great, now Tom's
1: going to punch me next time he sees me. Well, anyway, so right, rightfully so. So how about how there's four Flanagans. Flanagan number one is rolling along, and number two is having a good time, and three is moving, and four is waiting. He's waiting for his turn. And I can see as I'm talking to Flanagans one and two that number four is ready to go. So as soon as there's a, a spot, I go, boom, number four, what have you got? And Flanagan number four says, ah, I will do this, this, and this. Perfect. And we mix things together and so forth. So sometimes it's a matter of somebody has been sitting on the outside. They're not quite sure what to do. As soon as they're ready to go in a very narrative type of event or even, like I said, if if combat's been split up or whatever, um, that person is ready to act. And by quickly zipping to that person, you can move the spotlight to them instead of them having to wait for everything else to be done and then say, well, okay, I guess I can go now. Now that everybody else has had fun, I guess it's my turn to have fun. You kind of inject them into the action. Um, the other thing too, that from a spotlight perspective is I have played, I haven't had this for a while, but I have played with people that are just flat spotlight hogs, right? <clears throat> like you're talking to me, you'll continue to talk to me and the next hour and a half of this game session will be about me unless you drag the spotlight off of them and shine it on somebody else. As a game master, one of the easiest ways for me to do it, which is where I figured out how to do this, was I'd say, hold on right there. I'll get back to you. You know, it's flip the light over to the next person. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, because guys like Sean just eat up the spotlight and never let anybody else play. Yeah. Yeah. It was the only time people are actually paying attention to what Sean says. So <laughs> I, I'm neglected most of
0: my time on this uh big ball rock you know, and <laughs> it's the
1: only opportunity I have to shine.
0: When I get some attention, you know.
1: So the other thing I've found that when when I do it, I, I have players sometimes that need more time to think through something. Oh my God. And, um, Oh my God. And it's an opportunity when, the, <laughs> when you get to that player and you say, what do you do in this situation? Um, I'll get right back to you and you jump yep. to somebody else. Yeah. It's more like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before the, before the third round of crickets kick in you go, I'll be right back. And you jump over to someone else and then you cut back to them. You ready? And sometimes the crickets come back. Yeah. 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 That's, and you're like, okay, okay, you've got more time. But remember, you're in a fight. You're burning time. You move to the next person. Now, we joke about that, but I want to take it serious for a second. I have played with people in the past who have focus issues. I do not know if some of the people that I've played with are on an autism spectrum. I don't know if it's, a, um, if it's just a personality quirk or whatever. But some people have a hard time under pressure. And if okay. you're running, if you're running right. an intense game and there's a focus thing, what? I was gonna say, true, yeah, but that's not who I'm talking about. No, that's not who you're talking about at all. That's why I'm saying that's why that that piece of that's that's indecisive person who's not who just kind of just sits wasn't paying attention, whatever. I'm talking a little more serious. So, Sean was not disparaging. We're both we're both a little more serious here for a second.
0: Yeah, I'm talking with my my buddy Jeff, who can't determine what he's doing, and he's you know has no no other reason than
1: just. Yeah. You look at that. The the person sitting across from me, they put their phone down. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, I'll get yeah, right back right, to you. Right. And then you kind of <laughs> zip away from them. Yeah. Oh, I, I should stop reading this book. Oh, I should stop talking to the player next to me and actually engage in the game. Yeah, you. Right. So the, the more serious component I'm talking about is I've had it sometimes where I've looked at somebody and said, what do you do? And I, it's an intense moment. I'm like, all right, you right there. What do you do? And you point at them. and You're like, let's go. And some people lock up and they look at you like, I don't know. I don't act well like this. I don't deal well with this type of immediate pressure. And if you're leaning on somebody, say, buddy, come on, man. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Give me an idea. Give me an idea. Uh, All right, fine. Your turn is wasted. If you – exactly. (laughs) So frankly, sometimes the crickets um, from those players, the shock or the indecisiveness, depending who the person is, is simply because they need more time than you have given them. So I have used it in the past, especially sometimes with new players. I don't know. There's a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's just inexperience or shyness. New players I have found um, will lock up. All right, it's your turn. What do you do? Oh, geez. Uh, All right, I'll come back to you. Give them a moment to think. Then you can step away, but keep the action moving. Uh, Move the spotlight over to somebody else who has a really good idea and then cut back to that person and say, hey, do you want to do something similar to that or whatever? So in short... I also use my smash cuts to try to give time to players who require more time for whatever reason. Sometimes the player's like, shit, I got to look up a spell. Give me a minute. All right, fine. Cut. Go to the other player, and she's like, um, I got two things. Give give me a minute. Or sometimes they look at you, and they don't even say give me a minute. They don't ask you to take the light away. They just look at you like, uh, um, and you can see them. They're uncomfortable. They don't enjoy this pressure right now release the pressure and give the spotlight to somebody else because there's no, <clears throat> nothing bad will happen. If that player is given a little bit of room is where I'm getting at.
0: Nobody is going to punch them in the face. Oh, hell
1: no, 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 no. Does that, does that make sense, Sean? Oh yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, and it's to, to continue on that serious piece. I mean, Sean, and I, we, Every gamer at some point goes, oh, my God, you know, Timmy's indecisive. You know, Susan won't do this and Mary won't do that. Oh, my God, these players. Oh, my God, they won't move. That's the, not only the, the fun cliche to, to bitch about, but that also comes down to the inattentive player and the people who are, right. act, unfortunately, sometimes actively not engaging. So what I'm saying is that the Smash Cuts help for moving spotlight around. It's not only just to make sure those who don't have it can get it, but also, when somebody doesn't want it, you can take it away from them. You don't have to shine the light on them like the old, uh, you know, uh, whatever the old uh, what do I want to say? Film noir movies where they put you in the hot seat, like turn the lamp on, and say, "Okay, Sean, what do you do now? It's your turn. What do you do? The vampire's got you. What do you do? What do you do?" It, it, you don't have to do that. It's not a police grilling session, right? So some people actively, either through body language or verbally or just through, you know, you can, again, body language or verbally, they'll just, they're will just they pushing the light away from them, I think it's totally legitimate and actually very helpful and nice of you to take that light and focus it on somebody else. However, um, I also do definitely use it. I started to use it in my old vampire games because I had a couple of people who would love to spotlight hog. And the only way to pass it around a group, I had 13 people playing at the time, was to pick it off of somebody and move it. If I did not smash cut to different groups of people or individuals who are trying to accomplish different things. Nothing would get done that night except one person's event. So I, I learned to move it around because if I didn't move it around, I'd have, you know, 10 pissed off people because only two people got to do shit that night. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: It does make sense. And I totally agree with that. And the only people that I really give a hard time about freezing up is the, is the ones that I know I play with and that are habitual, Offenders, for whatever reason, and, the and procrastinators, I, and I—I'm I, pretty easygoing. I, I know a lot of you haven't played with me, a lot of you
1: haven't met me, but it's no, dude, I played with you. We're yeah, it's both. Both of us often joke around, like oh, kick their ass, oh, punch them in the face. None of that happens.
0: No, you know, but to the people I know,
1: Mer no mercy. <laughs>
0: like, come on, man, you come on, Jeff. You need to you need to pick this up, buddy. But at yeah, the I mean, same, but at the same time now, I I've don't, done that to Zave. I've gained with Zave for almost thirty yeah. years. I'm like, dude, make a move or not, right? You know, <laughs> right. You got you're like, hey, but though those folks in our group, we all know them. We all know them. We all love them. And the funny thing is, is it's the same. It's it. It happens over and over.
1: Not always, but I mean, it's kind of like, hey, yeah, that's a whole what, different topic. You know what's interesting about the smash cut though is that. You know, flipping the scene, moving spotlight from one area to another. I have yet to read an adventure, a module, any type of preset something, a Horde of the Dragon Queen that says, this is a really good opportunity to cut to a different group of players. Brad, how do you know? You don't read published adventures. Well, I haven't for a long time, but I do read them. Okay. I just don't run them. Oh, true. Touche. Because that, that's really weak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that's fair. That, that's, that's fair. fair. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. No, but I... um. It, it because to do it's because it, it requires a splitting of some kind. A lot of, so if you pick on D and D, nine times out of ten the party's together. And when the party's separated, then immediate next thing to do is fuck. We gotta go find Sean and Brett's characters. They fell in a hole again. Pack of idiots. Let's go get them. Drag them back here. Um, other games though, when you're talking about Cthulhu and so on, people and I have not read. I have a copy of the new seventh edition. Um, one book that I uh, got. As a gift. Uh, thank you, Kevin. I haven't been able to pour what? through it yet. Kevin Kim's awesome.
0: What? Yeah. He got you a copy of seventh edition of Cthulhu.
1: Yeah, he loves me. What are oh you gonna do? Oh my god, I man. He, what he a told, nice guy. He told me to tell you once you've run games for him for twenty years, he'll buy you something too.
0: Oh shit. Hey Kev, <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? Let's start this thing.
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's grow old together, buddy. Point, point <laughs> being is I don't know what's I don't know what's in that in that tone for, for wisdom, but I recall reading the other ones and stuff. And those investigation games, the group often splits up. I go to the library, I go to the morgue, I go over here, I I run over there, go talk to the cop. And even in Knights Black Agents, groups will split up. I played a little bit of that. You want to go different places to dig up information. Those investigation games, which is honestly a lot of how I ran my old school vampire games, required those smash cuts because you could get somebody talking to the cop and so it takes a half hour to get across town. They're talking to the police officer. So there's a number of points in there. They say, okay, you want to go talk to the cops? Yeah, says Sean and Brett, we're going to go talk to the cops. Great. You know, says uh, Drescher, all right, fine. You, while you two are going there, he cuts over and grabs Edwin. Says, Edwin, all right. You and Michael, um, while they're doing that, where are you doing? We're going to go do this thing. That's a smash cut. I took the attention from Brett and Sean who are going to go talk to the cops to Michael and Edwin who are going to, to the morgue. Okay, cool. And what are you guys doing while they're doing that? And Angie and the group says, hey, we're going to go to the library. Great. You just cut and move the spotlight twice or three times. Excuse me. Gave it to Brett and Sean. It went to Ed and uh, Edwin and Michael, then went over to Angie and the rest of the group. So then you can go back after you've figured out where everybody's going. You go back to Brett and Sean. All right. You're talking to the cop, this, this, and this. Sometimes that conversation wraps up that quickly. Sometimes it turns into a gunfight or something crazy happens. At a moment, you can say, okay, just before the cop draws his gun, hey, Edwin, Michael, you guys arrived at the morgue. Who are you talking to? And Brett and Sean are like, oh, my God, he's just about to draw a gun. Why can't we? Hang on, hang on, I'll get to you in a second. Pop over there, do a little bit, flip over to Andrew and of the group. And meanwhile, Brett and Sean are salivating and going, come on, come on, the cop's going to draw a gun. Good, got that over at the library. Great, back to Brett and Sean. And the action's there. Everybody's moving. They want to be involved in it. The other thing I I found doing that type of movement at the table with everybody involved, everybody listens to what else is going on. Because I'm waiting for my turn. It's not an initiative order, right? But the narration's happening where Brett Sean are gonna do something, Angel and the rest of the crew know something. They're gonna have a turn. They're not just waiting for me to be done for the game master to, for you know director to go, hey, you 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 guys, it's your turn now. They have to be engaged because at any moment the spotlight could shift off of me and Sean over to group two or over to group three. When the spotlight can move seemingly randomly or as the narration dictates to have a really cool dramatic cut, everybody needs to pay attention. So that's that's a bonus I see to doing that type of thing, especially during investigations, which I know some players I've talked to over the years find them boring, you know, because they're like, just, okay, you go there, make a couple of die rolls. You found the thief, you did the thing, great. And I'll go over here, do some die rolls, come back, we'll share our knowledge. When you're cutting back and forth like that, um, in my experience, people are paying more attention because at any given moment, it's their turn. It's like a random initiative role, if you will. Does that make sense, Sean? Oh yeah. Did, do you, <clears throat> so I'm talking a lot about me. How do you, how do you do them? Do you do this type of thing or, and I'm not saying the way I'm doing it is right. I'm positive. Someone's going to say, Brett, you're a fucking moron or, Hey, I've do it differently. That's totally legit.
0: Well, let me start by just saying, Brett, you're a flipping moron. I'm good with that. No. Um, I do think the methods that you outline are in line with what, how I would do that. It one. So the, the piece that you mentioned was, you know, going from player to player, you know, you're ready. No, you're not ready. Let's go. You're next. Mm -hmm. Obviously that the, you are trying to mimic the pace of what is going on. Yes. Like you're trying to instill a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. and nothing will take that out of that than a <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So exactly. so I get it and I think that's a good method. I also think you have to be careful because if you get the person that just is well some newer players are just—they don't know what to do. They don't know, like I don't know what to roll. I don't know what what can I do? What should I do? And they're they're overwhelmed sometimes with too many choices. Like I
1: don't, yeah, in the in the pressure, smash cutting can it does apply pressure, which is right. our earlier statements where yes. some players are like, "Whoa, dude, you know, pressure release valve here, man. This is a little over the top. I can't hack it." Right. For whatever reason, inappropriately applying, applying pressure isn't very helpful. Right.
0: So there's that, and then of course. I so I yes I get that. I like the cliffhanger wait. Okay, going to go into the next one or uh I'm sorry, go to the next scene mm. cutting back and forth as things progress. Usually it's funny because I think sometimes as you as you cut you can do it within the same combat. Like you don't have to the scene doesn't actually have to change, but you're changing from one player to the next. Maybe one player's actions affect what is in front of you.
1: Oh, yeah. I to. We I didn't want to get into the how to do it in combat piece, but I love doing it in combat. Right.
0: So you're cutting back and forth in that respect. So imagine um, seeing a well-laid-out, choreographed, like uh, for those that haven't seen it, have you seen the, uh, oh, God, what movie is it? Yeah, that helps, right?
1: Um, oh, that's really good. I like that. Oh, that movie with with the, yeah. with, the, with the with the guy <laughs> and the lady that she was really good with the stuff. Yeah, shit balls. It's the well, well it's, any fight scene, right, where somebody's playing, keying off of the other,
0: right? Yes, but I'm talking about um, what is it, The Kingsman? Oh, yes. So First if you one have, I saw that. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, there's a great fight scene in there. But the only thing with that fight scene is it's really around one particular person versus yep. like multiple, right? If you had a party. You know, or just even Lord of the Rings. Okay, everybody's watched Lord of the Rings, right? They're in Mordor, not Mordor. They're in help me out, Brett. The, Which the scene? Dwarven There's kingdom, th- right? The trolls come in.
1: Oh, that one. Yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. shit so going on. They're in Moria. They're in Moria. Yeah, Moria. Yeah. Moria. Yeah.
0: All kinds of shit going oh, on. Oh,
1: they smash cut back and forth, back and forth. This happens. That right. happens. Right. You got yeah. the,
0: the the hobbits up along the ledge. You've got yeah. you know
1: Boromir getting thrown against the wall. Yeah. Legolas trying to do stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. So all kinds of stuff going on there.
1: So I'll pin my I'll pin my actual play when I did the Streets of Avalon a while back. I that's D and D five e, but I did not roll initiative. We just did narrate, narrated initiative, and it was a similar type of thing. Sure. <clears throat> if um, Christine's character did something that I thought would be seen or give input to uh, Flanagan's character, I'm like Tom. You see that? What do you do? Oh yeah, then I'll do this. Well, that happened to intrude on where Kevin would be, so Kevin's like, oh, I do this. And then Andy would be like, oh, yeah, I see that. I, I react. So one person would do something, and then it would basically pass that knowledge out to everybody else, giving them opportunity to then act, you know, pass the spotlight based on the action that occurred. Right. Which in a small group like that – and the fights were never massive epic, right? There's like one bad guy or a couple of bad guys. It wasn't like a great big, you know, th- thousand goblin army <laughs> type of brawl like some of the D&D stuff can get to. But, no, I get what you're saying in those – those opportunities for people who are um, any of the, uh, the buddy cop type of movies, we've got two people fighting or working back and forth. I love the Lord of the Rings example, actually, you know, because in all those different fight scenes, they're bouncing back and forth between what's going on, because just as you're really interested in what happened when the troll stabs Frodo spoilers, you're like, Oh my God. And then it quickly pans over to everybody's reaction to that thing. When Boromir gets trucked against the wall Knocked unconscious, and you see Aragorn run up to him going, dude, get up, right? It's a smash from place to place. and Who's doing what? What's Gandalf doing? Okay, Gandalf's spinning around killing people. Great, move over here. This is happening. And it adds a level of uh, fury and ferocity to the fight scene. So that's pretty cool. There's, I think to dig into that deeper, there's more (sighs) – my example around the investigation I think is a good way to kind of cut your teeth on it. And I think the combat component is a little more complicated because especially if you have groups that are used to, if you're using a traditional initiative and my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn type of thing, suddenly injecting smash cuts into your combat can be a little jarring to people. Make yes. Make sense? Yes. Do you, do you do that in combat? Smash cuts? Yeah. It's been a while since you and I, since you run for me. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. I try to do that. Absolutely. To make things go well, I mean, it there is the old like, all right, roll, you know, who's up next? Your turn. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, what you just said there reminds me of this is that it's a tool, and if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, if the only tool you have is a smash cut, everything looks like a great opportunity to use it. Like anything, it needs it doesn't have to happen fast and furious and crazy, nor every goddamn time. You know, you could have a regular run of the mill initiative combat. And then spice it, spice one up. You could have a regular, you go here, resolve that first investigation. You go there, to resolve that second type. You don't have to do this. But at certain points, I have found that it um, the energy goes up at the table, as I said, and uh, moves things around. People get more spotlight. They get to do lots of stuff. And there's, in my experience as a player, what happens to me and what I've seen from players at my table when I am using it, they feel like more is happening and they're accomplishing more because people are doing things and stuff is happening and they're not just waiting for a turn to occur. So I like think this is uh, this one might be a deeper topic than I thought it would be. So huh. anyway, I think that's all I got, man. You good? Yeah. Cool. So I'm sure other people out there have done this. I know other people out there have done this. I've talked to some of our listeners about this type of thing in the past. So if you have ideas, thoughts, concepts, or if you think we're way the hell off or we're close but not quite there as usual – Write us, call us, email us, and uh, tell us what you think. Shall we? Yeah, Tyro. Clink. Alrighty then, Brettster's got a couple this week. Yeah, it took me a bit, but I came up with a couple. These are just some kind of neat uh, adventure ideas. So there are cave dwelling crocodiles. So ten years ago, a team of scientists were exploring this rainforest in Gabon and ventured in this cave. It's pitch black, bat-infested interior. And uh, there's this orange-scale, break-glowing-eyes thing. And hey, guess what? It's a fucking crocodile. <laughs> Hanging out in a little bitty waterway. They've got a picture in there. It's uh, It wasn't huge, but it's still a fucking crocodile. <laughs> it's a good way to lose a leg. So I read that type of thing, and of course you think, haha, you know, alligators in the sewers from New York type of deal. But it's... um. I also look at that and think that's just uh, adventure material right there. It's just another cool thing to drop somewhere. So anyway, link in the show notes. And the other one from an, uh, I think, even more eerie thing, but kind of goofy, was apparently spiders were blamed for this broken siren in, uh, in the UK that was playing creepy nursery rhymes oh, yeah. at night. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So this is one of those things you gotta you kinda gotta read to believe. I don't I don't even know how true it is, but I saw that and I thought this would be a great start to a game, a Cthulhu game, any kind of creepy game where you hear It'sy Bitsy Spider or some other child's nursery rhyme being played in a creepy discordant tune at about two in the morning. Anyway, link in the show notes to that as well. Over to you, Sean.
0: Brett's always got to be about the creepy.
1: Hey, got to do what I'm good at.
0: All right. Chris Johnson tells us about Shadows Over Drift Chapel Kickstarter Hmm. by a bunch of guys she knows and respects. So that Kickstarter, as of this recording, has 20 days to go. So it's... uh, Reaching its goal by Sunday, October 7th, 2018. And if it does, hopefully you can obtain it, you know, at sources other than the Kickstarter. But if you hear about this before that, make sure you go over there and check it out. Very cool. Yeah. Any nominated series 2018. Oh. What else yet? All right. Uh a D supplement. That makes your game more like Ocean's Eleven,
1: huh? Uh, Talk about smash cuts.
0: Talk about smash cuts. I don't know if it's in this supplement, but check it out. Um, Link in the show notes. It is more driven by the new D and D Dragon Heist. Um, Just okay, you know, it's a theme that's kind of occurring here. So. If you're not familiar with D&D's newly released Dragon Heist Adventure for levels 1 through 5 from Wizards of the Coast, check out this supplement. It's um, featured on Kotaku and is specifically Here's to Crime, A Guide to Capers and Heists. Nice. It's all about entertaining those who love crime. And it's like two bucks. So, Cool, cool. And then, of course... Matt will put, uh, Martinez will put the link to Acratic Wizardry, the Colors of Magic blog entry into the show notes. We'll also um, give Tracy Barnett some love um, and link to Iron Edda. Probably on drive through, I think is probably the best place.
1: I think it's hitting there soon. I know the the Kickstarter completed successfully and all that good stuff. If nothing else, link to the Kickstarter page. You can always follow the goodness there.
0: Well, that's true. And the link that I'm looking at on drive through is the previous version. Yep. So they re re-release, re Tracy re released it. Yep. New edition, all that goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I think that's it. Uh. When I want to wish Blake good luck with his new job in Australia. Good luck, Blake.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. Good luck, Blake. Uh, I think that's it for
0: this week. What are we talking about next
1: week? <sighs> you know, Sean, I don't know. I've been bopping a couple different ideas around. Our listeners have hit us with some pretty good stuff. I'm kind of something Kojo said there about, you know, you know kind of playing without a character basis and stuff. We talked a little bit about that a while ago, like that kind of developing a character as it goes along type of deal. I don't know. I've got to... I got half-baked ideas as usual for a number of different topics. You got
0: anything you want to talk about, man? You know, I am gonna probably get some down and see what those might look like. Okay, so we'll have something cool. But I, uh, I do not have anything as we're sitting here right this minute.
1: All right. Well, happy anniversary, Sean.
0: Hey, man. Thanks, dude. You too. All right. Well, it's another episode of Gaming NBS. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrester Gary, Mark Anthony, Benedetti, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Wayne Humphleet, James Carpio, Pure Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaVallee. C.W. Mellencamp, The Lost Sailor, Misdirected Mark Productions, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froilich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf-Baker, Todd Crapper, With Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Chris Steele, Eric Hoffman, Kyle Winter, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G., J.V., John Hammersley, The Closet Gamer, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Chad Gleyman, Skye, Roger Braslett, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Skeynes, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Petiri Turtianen, Edwin Nagy, Bruce Cunnington, Aaron Coleman, Tim Shorts, Angus, Roll Guild, Gordon Cranford, Eric Saulsweedle, Matt Cyberlich, Jack Neller, Robert Nemeth, Eric Bonds, Palladian, Ron Blessing, Brian Kurtz, the Knights of the Night crew, Laramie Wall, Kevin Lovecraft, Evan Harrison Cass, and Malcolm Cool. For a way to support the show, head over to gamingbs.com. Forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been, been a Litterbox Box Studio production. Studio. production.